Welcome to Deep Natter. In this episode, Sean and I are talking about a photo essay that raised some interesting questions for each of us, such as how do you respond to an artist's newer work when it doesn't hit you the same way their earlier work did? Have they changed or have you? Or is it some of each? Also, how much should context of the work matter to how it lands with a viewer? Here we go. So, uh, should, should we talk about this, uh, this, this lost in translation thing? Do you mind talking about that? No, t- uh, take us in, because you sent it to me, so you, you discovered it first. Do you want to walk us into it? Yeah, it popped up in my, in my Twitter feed, and it's a, a post from Magnum. Uh, the the photo agency, um, and and just so you so you get a sense if you're unfamiliar if you're listening and you're unfamiliar with Magnum Photos, their Twitter bio reads as follows: Magnum Photos has documented most of the world's major events and personalities since the 1930s, covering society, politics, events, and conflict. So. They're sort of the, you know, the granddaddy of, of photo agencies. And uh, if, you, if you look through their roster, they do represent some phenomenal photographers, um, including Alex Soth, who I think we would both agree is a pretty amazing photographer. Mm. Uh, but he posted, well, Magnum posted this, this thing. Uh, Alex Soth lived in his, ho- his Tokyo hotel for five days in order to create his own version of Sofia Coppola's seminal film, Lost in Translation. And it's a, it's a set of photos uh, from New York Times Voyages. And it's this photo essay. It reads, I loved the movie Lost in Translation, so I decided I would stay in the Park Hyatt Hotel where the film was made and not leave for five nights. Instead, I would bring the city to me Finding people online through Craigslist and other sites, and um, I don't understand these photographs. And I, I am a fan of Alex Soth. I'm a fan of Alex Soth, and I'm a fan of the film Lost in Translation. I mean, I think it it does a really beautiful job showing not just the people and and the city of Tokyo, but some of the scenes that were shot in this hotel show what an incredible space this hotel is, none of which, in my opinion, is represented in this set of photos. It's, it's a difficult one for me because this is, I mean, I, I had exactly the same response as you did. Is you, you sent it to me. You didn't tell me anything about it. You just sent me the link. But I opened it up and I was like, okay. Um, but I just, I, I, I thought, oh, it's kind of instantly forgettable stuff for me. And more than that, I actively don't like some of the images just because of the, the, the color toning. There's a lot of kind of this yellow background portrait stuff under tungsten light, which I'm really not a fan of. So I had exactly the same response, but it, it, got, it got me thinking because I've now, in my own very like limited way, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm not a shadow of Alex Soth. I'm, I'm not even in the same ballpark, but, but I've had a lot of people who've, over the while gotten hold of me because I posted an image online or a series of images and gone, oh, I don't really get it. Don't like it. Uh, I prefer this other thing you did. Um, and I now kind of know what that feels like on the other side. And I'm not trying to protect Alex Soth like he needs my help because he doesn't. He's, he's absolutely fine. But 
it made me realize like there's a big difference between subjective taste and quality because I, my subjective taste when I look at these images that he's done is like, ah, it's not really for me. But Mm. the lazy thing to do would be to go, oh, Alex Soth has lost, lost his mojo. As if like my subjective taste is a judgment on his abilities as a photographer. And what I've, what I've been trying to do over the last while is, is when I see images from photographers who I respect that I don't get, I, I, I try and take the posture that I have something to learn from this because they definitely know a lot more than I do. I mean, I've done Alex Soth's, um, uh, storytelling course on Magnum. So, um, and I, I do recommend it for anyone who wants to go into documentary, uh, photography projects, long-term sort of projects. It really is one of the best, uh, set of teaching videos on the subject, I think. So I know he knows his stuff. I know he knows his way around a camera. I know he knows how to tell a visual story. So I've, I've kind of, when I see something like that, that I don't respond to, I'm, I'm now very careful and I, I instead try and take the position like, if I don't get this, it's my fault, not his fault because he's Alex. Mm. Um, and it doesn't mean that he, I mean, people do lose their mojo. They, 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 they do produce worse work as they go on. That, that does happen. But I have to assume first it's my fault and try and apply a bit of, um, I don't know, what would you call it? The kind of the kind of quality version of emotional intelligence where I'm like, okay, I've had a, an emotional response to this, but maybe it's pointing to something in me, not something in him. Um, so I'm trying to grow up a little bit like that. It's, I still don't like them anymore than I did when I first saw them. I would never take images like this out of choice because I don't like the aesthetic, but I have to, I'm trying to, what I've been trying to do now is go through and go, um, he's, he's obviously doing this deliberately because he has the skill to do anything he wants to do. He wants them to look this way. He wants someone, a set of hands holding a plate of sushi against a yellow background and a yellow tungsten light. He wants that. <laughs> For whatever reason. <laughs> For some unknown, but, but he knows. He knows why right. he did that because I'm sure he had some nice window light and could have turned off the tungsten light in the room and cleaned that up. Um, like he knows. See, and to- I wonder what's missing. I wonder what we aren't seeing. And, and is this the entirety of what was handed in to the picture editor? Or yeah. were, were these his selects or were they someone else's selects out of what he handed in? I would imagine at his level, there's no way he didn't have a hand in those, th- those selects or at least approving the selects at mm-hmm. his level or, or, or that he wouldn't hand over images he wasn't happy to be included in a select. So I think it does, at his level, it has to come back to him. There's no way he's I just, handing over raw files and just going like, just take your pick. Yeah. I, and I just, knowing what kind of work he's done in the past and and it's it's hard for me to reconcile that this is the same <laughs> person who produced sleeping by the mississippi yeah because I, I don't see that level of narrative i don't see that level of of intimacy i mean when when adrian looked at these pictures she's like this could have been shot in des moines like there's <laughs> there's nothing inherently yeah you know it just it just didn't feel like Tokyo. It again, it felt, you know, like you said, with the tungsten, it felt very sort of awkward, almost. Yeah, 
But again, like, I, I, is that is that a quality issue or is it a subjective issue? Does he want me to feel that way? Because I have to right. assume and- he does. I have to assume it's all deliberate. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to assume mm-hmm. that that maybe I should feel a bit sick looking at these images under these like yellowy lights and it's a bit insipid and it's a bit, you feel a bit claustrophobic and trapped and everything's a little cheese. And maybe that's what he wants you to feel because that's um, something he's trying to communicate being stuck in a hotel in a city that you're not from. Maybe that's part of it. Um, Again, like, because I I don't think we give stuff enough time and, and, and it's understandable. I mean, it's, it's the nature of the internet. So we, we do just, flick through something. We don't really read many of the captions and we scroll down to three or four images and then we kind of go, well, I'm already losing interest. So we don't give the rest as much credit. But if I, if, if Alex Soth invited me to go see his printed work in a private showing in a gallery somewhere and he walked me around and I got to see these images printed big on a wall under lights, would I get it more? Is, is it mm-hmm. partly the format I'm viewing it in that makes it so easy for me to just dismiss and go, well, this isn't worth my time moving on? Is it my internet mentality that makes me do that? M- maybe. Maybe there's something of that. Because I think I would interact yeah. with it differently. And maybe then I'd hear him give a talk at this exhibition and he'd tell me more of his thought process. And I can imagine that there are things that he'd say about his thought process that would make me go, oh, okay, okay. Now I see why you did it that way. And now it makes a lot yeah. of sense. And now it's incredibly meaningful, but you're not going to get that in a quick online article or a link. Um, right. On the other side of that, should the work stand on its own without additional context? Yeah. Well, okay. This is interesting because, um, because I've, I recently did an interview with Jim Mortram um, mm-hmm. and he, uh, is he Jim Mortram, uh, for those of you who want to look him up, just look up small town inertia is his ongoing photography project, uh, which looks at people on, uh, with disabilities on benefits in the UK in his town. So dealing with issues of poverty and addiction and other things and very, very dark, uh, moody black and white images. He is a big believer that images should come with context. Um, and that mm. having something written next to them definitely adds layers and makes it more important. Like there's, there's a couple of images I can think of in his book. So there's one where you're looking at just a set of legs with a load of stickers on them. And it's not immediately obvious what's going on. You think of those, are those like um, plasters because he's scratched his legs or something. But when you read the caption next to it, it's because he's come off cigarettes and decided to cover his le- legs in nicotine patches to try and get through. But like he's got 13 <laughs> nicotine patches on his legs. So he must be just off his head like on nicotine. Oh. But I, you can't get that without the context. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I think, I think different sorts of photography lend themselves to that and others not. And it's definitely up to the photographer themselves, whether, it, whether they want to try and convey everything they want and then leave the rest open-ended with just an image mm-hmm. or whether adding that context in, in, in some kind of text or spoken word alongside lets you in on something you can't actually put in a photograph but makes the photograph much richer. I think you could go either way. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. And I, I, you know, I think about these photos and I, I, I sat and looked at them for a little bit and I wonder if this is his reaction to how he felt watching Lost in Translation? Is it, like, is this an interpretive reaction to that piece of work rather than reacting directly to the surroundings of the hotel? 
Yes, I think it. Ha- I think it has to be because if you reference the film and you're the artist, you're the photographer. It's your response to that piece of art, mm. right? It has to be. Um, and, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's like, well, that's not the film I watched because right. because we all come at these things from different angles. Yeah, I mean, if I if I shot a piece responding to Lost in Translation, I mean, and I watched this, gosh, years and years ago, so very very faint memories of it most of my stuff would have been shot at night um, yes. and it would have featured a lot of lights and a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, pro mist filters on, on neons and stuff like <laughs> right, that. Right. Like that's what, that's the way I would have gone with it because that's the film that stuck with me and that's the way it stuck with me. But again, that's, that's different people respond to things in different ways and have different things to say about it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it just begs the question, are we, are we looking at, are we looking at the photographs that he would take of Tokyo and of this hotel, not sort of inspired by or or maybe burdened by referencing that film. Because you're right. I, I came away from Lost in Translation really wanting to go to Tokyo. That was that was the film that probably put mm-hmm. Tokyo on the top of my list. But had I seen this body of of work, these photographs. I don't get the same reaction. I don't have the same inquisitiveness. I don't have the same enthusiasm. I don't have the same excitement around the city, the hotel, the people as I, as I do watching the film. No. And I don't think that has anything to do with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. It's, it's the B-roll that, that Sofia Coppola put together that made that place sink for me. Absolutely. And it's funny because when I opened it up and I saw the first image of his reflection on the bed as if he's hovering over the city. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And then everything else afterwards. It's the best one of the bunch. Everything else afterwards, I didn't care. Like if, if, yeah. if it had felt more like that first image throughout, I mean, I mean, just from a technical standpoint, I'll tell you, like one of the things that really bugs me is the very mixed uh, white balances throughout really bugs me mm-hmm. because personally, again, like, and I, I'm not Alex Soth, like I'm not a shadow of him. So I'm not criticizing him. I'm just, this is subjective taste, not about quality. This is for me personally, if I put something together, that, that white balance and color mix and contrast ratios is going to be the same throughout. So it feels like a set, like a story I'm telling. I don't, I don't play mix and match because I think it pulls you out of it. It's like, whoop, we're in a, we're in, we're in very yellow space now. Oh, whoop, we're in very blue daylight now. Okay. Oh, we're at night. Okay. You know, it's, it kind of, it's very jarring. I find Mm -hmm. when you scroll down a set like that. It makes me want to go back and watch the film again, actually. Yes. And, and I wonder if that was maybe part of the goal is, am I remembering, am I romanticizing my own memory of the film? It's very strange. I mean, I must say it's a, it's a really strange reaction to, to these photos, but now I do want to go back and watch it because I have, I have this image in my mind of what that film looked like, felt like, and what I felt like after I watched it. And now I want to go back and see how accurate that is. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've only got little snapshots in my head, but I've got like, um, frosted whiskey glass sitting on a, on a hotel bar at night with very low-key lighting and reflections off windows and city lights in the background like that's that's my visual memories of that film mm-hmm. and maybe maybe he's not maybe maybe he's not doing that maybe he's not trying to give us the visual references maybe he's trying to do something that's an emotional connection to it um like like a like a, a feeling of being in somewhere slightly strange 
Right. Um, it maybe it's from her point of maybe, view. Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, that was maybe. her, Scarlett Johansson's character felt almost trapped by being there because her boyfriend is off doing, you know, rock and roll photography and, and, and she's kind of just along for the ride, but in many ways feels almost like a prisoner of, of, of the surroundings. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's something of, of, about that in there. I don't know. Maybe, but I think that's the trick, isn't it? It's trying, it's trying to be generous and, and say, he's Alex Soth. Right. Um, I'm, an, I'm going to give that due deference and assume he knew exactly what he was up to and what he wanted and that he was happy enough to hand this over to, what was it, New York Times Voyages to actually publish and put out there with his name on it. So there's no mistake here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me to sit back and go, oh, he, he's lost it. Like, who am I to tell him that? This is an artist's vision of, of exactly what he wanted to do. Right. And he, put, he puts his name on it, in which case I'm wrong. He did exactly what he wanted. I could say subjectively, I don't really gel with it, but that's okay. Cause how could I subjectively gel with everything I take in every day? I mean, I'm, I'm only going to gel with some of it and not others. And I'm even within different artists work. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a continuum John Mayer fan. I'm not so much a paradise Valley fan. I mean, you can't <laughs> right. gel with everything they do and I can't go, well, John's lost it. John knew right. exactly what he was doing with paradise Valley. He wanted to make that album. Yeah. So he did. And just cause I don't get it or like it as much as continuum, he doesn't care because he made the album he wants to make. And I respect that. And, and I like him more as an artist for doing that. And, and I think, I think in this, in this culture where we're so, obsessed with 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 having our opinions be heard about someone else's work like i mean just just being someone who's on youtube for example like the amount of comments you get underneath which are outright rude telling you how what you did is rubbish not hey i didn't really connect with this i don't really understand what you're doing or this isn't to my taste which still i don't care and i don't need to hear because what's the point in everyone getting on in a comment section going, well, this one's a seven out of 10 for me. Well, it's a three out of 10 for me. It doesn't matter. Of course, it's going to gel with some of you, not others. But to sit there and go like, hey, you've lost your shit now because this thing that you put out, I don't really connect with as much. I, I don't care. And I think it's taught me that, you know, I need to be very careful. I, I was never somebody who jumped on and commented on other people's work negatively anyway, because my granny used to say, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I, I think, but I think this obsession that people should know how I feel about what they did, even though they don't know me, like Alex does not need to hear about how I'm not really connecting with his latest series of photographs. It's just interesting for me to look at and work out why I don't connect with it. And maybe there's something to learn from it and that he made very different choices than I'd make. I don't think I'm going to end up taking photographs like that out of choice still, but there still might be something to learn in that photographers do things very differently, for example. I don't think I, th- I ever had the thought that, that he has lost, you know, his vision or his mojo or whatever. I, I just, I didn't get it. And, I, and, and if, mm. if these photographs didn't have his name attached to them, which I think is, is one of the issues that's going on with Magnum as a whole is, you know, yeah. is, is Magnum now what Magnum used to be? Um, and that's a whole other discussion, but if it didn't, if this body of work didn't have his name attached to it, would, would we be talking about it? Would you even give it a second thought? Probably not. No. But because it does, now we're left wondering, well, wait a minute, I've seen this other thing. 
you know, I've heard continuum. So <laughs> what's going on with sob rock? <laughs> what, what is happening here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's one of the really interesting things about art and artists is there are these sort of, you know, hills and troughs of what we make and, and how that, that work is, is received or perceived as the case may be. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm by and large, I'm with you. I don't, I don't question whether or not anything has been lost because he has, he has earned, he has the ability and he has earned the right to produce, you know, work that, that, is is outside of beyond or just not to my taste or understanding regardless of what i think about it but even if he hasn't earned it i still think we should give the benefit of the doubt as well almost because yeah. it's like um uh and and i i will admit i tried to watch the film but just couldn't get through it it was um the willem dafoe film about vincent van gogh i just couldn't get through it but i one of the things that stuck me was the the trailer there's a there's a clip in the trailer where um, Defoe is sitting with uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who's playing a priest, who's looking at Van Gogh's paintings and telling him, but do you, do you see what you're doing? This is ugly. Like, why are you painting like this? Like, stop painting like this. This is very, this is very displeasing. And he's like trying to talk him into stop doing what he's doing. Because in Vincent's time, he wasn't, he hadn't earned his stripes according to the art community yet. He wasn't recognized. Mm-hmm. And yet and yet now we look at it very differently. So for all the people who tried to talk him out of what he was doing because he hadn't earned his stripes, his stuff was too garish and, and jarring, and why, why was he painting this way? We were wrong, you know, collectively. We were, we were wrong. Right. And I, 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 wonder how, I wonder how helpful it is to people to... It's really something I'm thinking. I'm not asking because I'm, I'm trying to preach about it. I have no idea what the answer is, but I, I wonder how helpful it is to be so free-flowing with our, with our opinions. I mean, I can have an opinion and I can talk about it with you and we can sit and have conversations about it. We, we can rip it to pieces as well. But I wouldn't do that to Alex Soth's face, for example. I, I think the thing that's missing for me is the context. I really, I would love to have a conversation and go, walk me through this. Because I'm, uh, what, help me understand what I'm not understanding here. Alec, time to get on process driven. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, in the same way that, that, you know, I've been showing some of the process behind um, a, a painting that I'm working on right now. And yeah. I, I had a conversation with my stepmother yesterday and, and she says, oh, what, you know, what's going on? What are you doing? And I showed her this painting and there was this dead silence. And she's like, I'm not sure I understand what's going on, but even if I did, I'm not sure I would like it. Oh, wow. I find this disturbing. How did you, how did you feel about that? I think she's spot on. I find it disturbing. But I think based on the backstory that I've got in my mind, that's what I wanted. That's what I, I, I want it to feel disturbing. I want you to, to, to go, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I'm just... I'm a little anxious about it. I'm a little disturbed about it. I'm a little something. I don't know what that is. But I just, for her to say in black and white, I don't like it, mm. was interesting. Because she, she is by and large uh, a huge champion of, of what I do. I mean, she taught me most of 
or much of what I know how to do creatively. And so I, I, I'm sitting with that comment and I don't know, do I take that as a, as a win because it's, it's challenging and it's, and it's, it's taken uh, someone who, who, again, by and large has been a, a huge champion of my work and it's, and it's put her off on this particular piece. You know, I, it's, it's sort of like, you know, I, yeah, Annie's portraits are good, but I, I much prefer her earlier work. Oh, <laughs> you know? yeah. Go back to um, go back to following the stones on tour. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it it was interesting, and I know because she's a painter that I don't like it. Without without going further down that that conversation, her saying that sends me off into kind of a tailspin of of. Well, wait a minute. I get that this is having a different reaction for you, but but now because because you have all of this skill, does it does it does it fail conceptually? Does it fail technically? Does it fail narratively? Does it fail on all level? Like how I'm I'm thinking to myself, you know, in 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 the the, the few seconds beyond that before I responded, what does this mean? I mean, from from the little bit you said now, it, it sounds like her comment was entirely about the content in it, not anything to do with technique. And and that's probably and that's yeah. that's interesting because I mean, you you asked, well, you know, how do I, how should I feel about that? Have I failed? But I think, I mean, from from somebody who's seen some of your work, I don't think your work is meant to let us feel good. It's it's supposed to unsettle us. And get us to ask questions about our society at large, the things that we that we value or put on pedestals, um, that how secretive we are, what goes on behind the scenes. It's got things to say about power um, and how that's wielded, and those who are hurt by it. All this stuff. Like I don't think anything about your work is meant to make us feel good. It's meant to make us feel. It's meant to make us feel anxious, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, a lot of it. Yeah. And I reckon, I reckon yeah. that, that if she's responding like that, there might be a win in that, you know, yeah. unless she has something specific to say about, oh, well, you know, um, I, I don't like that, that, uh, that color of orange you use, Jeffrey, or whatever it is, you know, like if yeah. you've got something to say about that, like, okay, then you could talk technique. But if it's something to do, maybe this is the answer to Alex Soth as well. Maybe, maybe he, when he's going like, yeah, I want you to feel a bit sick looking at these and trapped and claustrophobic and uncomfortable. Well, you won because I don't like them and I don't want to look at them anymore. Yeah. If that is, if that is the brief, then it's brilliant because that is exactly where it lands for me. Maybe. I mean, maybe I'm making, making up reasons for him, but maybe there's something in that, in that, in that story with that painting for you, maybe because you know what you're trying to do with that. I mean, you don't, I, I wouldn't suggest, you know, you're not being too prescriptive or preachy with what you do. Like you're leaving it fairly open-ended, but you know what flavor it has. And it's not a feel-good flavor. Which if I'm being honest, I'm starting to question. Oh, interesting. As a direction for my work. I mean, if, because the, the, the art that I love and, and would surround myself by is, is not the kind of work that I make. What would you change? Have you had ideas? I, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't see my, my work is, 
I don't see my work as very hopeful work. I wouldn't call it, you know, positive. I wouldn't call it, um, it's, it's engaging. It's thought provoking. I hope it's, it's, you know, compelling in the way it's put together. I hope, but I almost think that with so much going on, a reaction, a piece that is reacting to that, that doesn't uplift or encourage or provide some sort of hope fails. Can I push back on that? Absolutely. Because I feel like, I mean, and I said this in the book, I said that, um, you know, the way I kind of set stuff up at the beginning of the book is the reason we make things is to create order out of chaos. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's a deliberate paragraph that I've added in there that says, but sometimes what we do is we describe the chaos and that's how we make order. We don't have to give it an answer or explain it away. I mean, I would, I would suggest that Jim Mortram's small town inertia is only describing chaos. There's no hopeful message in it. Absolutely. And I yeah, think that yeah. is a hundred percent valid and, and can lead to change as much as, a, as, as an easy, hopeful answer, because we're faced with the darkness of things. I think there's a really valid space for that. So I, I would suggest that, I mean, if you're feeling you want to move in a more hopeful direction, that's great, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest on a, on a conceptual level that that's necessarily true because I think describing the chaos is valid. And that's what I see you doing is describing mm. the chaos in your work and describing you, how you, your felt response to that chaos as well. Is that too much? See, now I'm, <laughs> no, it's not too much. It's just now I, I'm, I'm second guessing my own response to this piece of work that we've been talking about for you know, a half hour. Yeah. Good. Me too. <laughs> because maybe, maybe he is describing something that's, that's while, while very tangible to him, just because I don't feel it, see it, experience it doesn't mean it's not there in the work. Yeah. There's also, I mean, there's, the more I look at it, that there's, there's also something about the juxtaposition between the the tungsten yellowy lit stuff and the the sort of more blue daylight stuff because you've got these sort of portraits against a wall which are i mean for, for, as a portrait photographer i mean I, i'm not a massive fan of the lighting really or especially the coloring um there's one which is um a singer from ganguro cafe which is just like oh gosh it's just all yellow the entire thing and then underneath you've suddenly got um, a bird sitting on someone's hand in front of a window with blue daylight and the city outside. And maybe there's something in things like that and in ordering and sequencing things like that, like, oh gosh, trapped in this kind of nightlife yellow world, but then sort of the hope of daylight outside and this bird, maybe he's trying to do things like that as well. That I, it, I don't give enough time if I just scroll through images like I do on Instagram to, to pick stuff like that up. But maybe... Yeah, maybe feeling uncomfortable about it and staying with it longer, I can see more nuance. Again, I might just be making excuses for yeah. it. But like that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, 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 this is the whole thing with stuff like this. When you don't have an, uh, very much commentary around something, you do end up making up your own stories mm. with it, don't you? Because it, it does just become about your own response to something. And I wonder if there's something about his, his history, his previous bodies of work, our familiarity with him, are, are we, are we expecting more than what's there based on what we've seen before? 
And that could go for any artist, not just not just this, this particular body of work. It's true. And, uh, and I suppose the other thing is he had five days. You know, there's not a lot of time to tell a story. Um, it's it's a very short project. So maybe not as much could be done as something like Sleeping by the Mississippi, which he could do for how, how long did he do that project for? Oh, I don't know. Quite, don't quite know. a while he traveled down. Quite a while, though. Yeah. So may- maybe maybe you can't reach the same kind of depth in that short span of time. And this is more to be thought of as a photo essay for an article rather than a body of work that goes into exhibitions and books. Maybe it's a different level of storytelling as well. Yeah, it's, we it's a really much. interesting one. Hmm? Yeah. Maybe we just expect too much because we, we, we've, we've loved something they've done before. Um, well, maybe, yeah, that's kind of what I was asking is, yeah. do we not allow enough grace or do we not allow enough, you know, a wide enough berth for the artists that we, that we are familiar with or that we love or that we follow or that, that have inspired us in the past? Do we not allow them a wide enough berth to try something new? We always expect them to hit the mark 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 every time. And also someone is going to love this photo series and there's always going to be difference of opinion. Someone's going to get it more than I get it. It's, it's like, I mean, the way I always think about it is, is, uh, um, Coldplay. So now, mm-hmm. now, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, I absolutely love their first album and everything afterwards is rubbish. Um, but honestly, I like the later stuff more. I really do. That's, yeah. that's how I feel about it. It's not a trendy opinion. It's not, it's not what you're supposed to think. You're supposed to think the early stuff is the best stuff, but I don't. So everyone's got different responses to stuff. They grew as artists and did what they wanted to do. And some people prefer the stuff they did at the beginning. I prefer the stuff they're doing now. And no one's right, but they're doing what they want to do. Maybe that's enough. I don't know. And I, I mean, uh, something you said earlier, like I, I don't think all work has to be hopeful. Um, I think some work can be, well, that's good. Be bleak. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank, thank goodness. <laughs> I'm going to have to pack it in. Um, DJ bleak view. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, man. Oh, I need to hear a track from DJ bleak view. I mean, you know, may, maybe that is what it is. And you know, some projects are longer, some are shorter, some are hopeful, some are bleak, some are light, some are dark. Um, some people get some, some people don't get others. I just, and this is why, like, I'd just be fascinated now, the more we have this conversation to sit down with him and have an honest conversation off mic over a beer and get his like, well, yeah, this kind of, this project was X, Y, or Z for me. And I I like it, or I didn't like it, or this is what I was trying to do, or I don't really care. Or, you know, because I think that would be a really interesting piece, but either way, it is what it is now. And Mm -hmm. you either like it or you don't, but he did exactly what he wanted to do and you can respond to it. But, but again, it's just, it's just our subjective take on it. And you and I, it's not our favorite thing he's done by far, but that's okay. Maybe, maybe in his head, he's going, I knocked this out of the park. Well, then I'd love to sit with him and find out what I have to learn because I don't understand how that's a home run. But if he thinks so, it is a home run because I'm wrong because he is the artist. He did this and he's Alex Soth, you know? If you're enjoying these conversations, I would love it if you would consider subscribing to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything in your favorite podcast app to get episodes of Deep Natter, as well as Process Driven, and everything else I release all in one feed. 
If you'd like to support the show and help others find it, you can leave a review or a rating wherever you listen and share it on social media. You can connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K. On his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sedoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S or on my website at jeffreysedoris.com. And several of you have written in asking about the music we use on the show. The track is called Highline. It's by Duff Music, and it's available on Artlist, which is a terrific resource for podcasters, YouTubers, and filmmakers who are looking for royalty-free music, sound effects, even video clips to use in their projects. I'll put a link in the show notes, and if you follow that link, you'll get an extra two months when you sign up for one of their subscriptions. As always, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate your time, and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you.